Hi everyone, before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to give you a heads up about the sound quality. Uh, this was recorded uh, backstage at the Reverence Hotel in Melbourne uh, as part of Poison City Weekender. And uh, while Tom and I were chatting for the first few minutes or so, uh, Paleheads were sound checking. Uh, Tom went off to sound check with Paleheads and then came back. And then things are relatively quiet from there. Uh, there's a couple of rumbles here and there, and there's the the buzz of the generator in the background. Uh, so I. Uh, yeah, it's it's not ideal, but uh, it was the only uh, kind of uh, environment that we had and the only opportunity that we kind of had to do it. So, uh, yeah, kind of a take it or leave it situation. I think it turned out pretty well, all things considered, but uh, just a heads up if you're one of those very kind of precious people about audio quality and shit. But, you know, we're dealing with the nation blue here. You, you, you get what you're given, all right? Fucking show some respect. All right, enjoy this week's episode. Cheers. up david james young here for another week of all my friends are in bar bands thank you so much for tuning in thank you so much for subscribing downloading streaming however you are experiencing this thank you thank you thank you i really really appreciate your time and your investment in chatting with uh whole bunch of very, very wonderful, interesting people uh, being interviewed by a not-so-interesting man himself. Uh, but that's beside the point. Beside the point. It is Friday, and we are about to kick off into a massive long weekend. Uh, with uh, In Wollongong here, we uh, have the Yours and Owls Festival, and some pretty exciting stuff is coming up from that, and obviously I will have more information about that as it comes, but uh, just so you know, there will be something pretty special involving uh, the Yours and Owls Festival this weekend coming up on the podcast, so do keep an eye out for that uh, in the days uh, following from the festival. We will have some uh, have some pretty cool news for you. Before we get stuck in, of course, we have to give a shout out to the people that make this podcast possible. Support for All My Friends Are In Bar Bands comes from Spit The Dummy Records, a DIY Sydney label, bringing dead formats to the masses. You can check out all of their releases and all of the various uh, wheelings and dealings that they have going on, uh, including something pretty special coming up in the not-too-distant future. You can find out about all of that by heading over to facebook.com slash wearespitthedummy. Support for All My Friends Are In Bar Bands also comes from Sad Girls Club, which is a collective of non-male music industry professionals helping to get non-male voices heard. As you may well know, this weekend in Melbourne is Sad Girls Fest. It is happening tomorrow at the Reverence Hotel in Footscray. It is completely sold out, so we don't even really need to be uh, spruiking it. This is purely a matter of congratulations to Rachel and everyone that made Sad Girls Fest 2016 a possibility. I hope it goes brilliantly. I hope that everyone absolutely fucking smashes it. So please, please, please show them some love and head over to sadgirlsclub.com that's s-a-d-g-r-r-r-l-s-c-l-u-b dot com 
This month we're also sponsored by This One's For Mum, which is a festival, a fundraiser and a celebration happening across three days from November the 4th to November the 6th. It's kicking off at the Small Ballroom in Newcastle on the 4th. On the 5th it will be at Blackwire Records in Sydney and on the 6th it will also be in Sydney at the Red Rattler Theatre. For more information on the lineup and the uh, charities that are involved with this festival, please head over to facebook.com slash thisonesformum. You can also follow along on Twitter and Instagram at thisonesformum. Last but certainly not least, support for all my friends are barbands comes from you. You know this already. Patreon.com slash B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S. Patreon.com slash barbands. And for as little as $1 a month, you can help keep this podcast up and running. And as always, it is so, so, so very appreciated. This week's guest is Tom Lincoln. Tom Lincoln is a Melbourne via Hobart singer, songwriter, guitarist... Uh, incredible uh, performer. You have probably seen him uh, in one form or another. You might have seen him playing uh, as a part of The Nation Blue. You might have also seen him playing as a part of Harmony. And you might have also seen him playing as a part of Pale Heads. Regardless of where you have encountered the guy, you cannot deny his incredible presence as... an entertainer and as a musician. It's so, so exciting to watch him perform. It It is truly, truly an honor every time I get the uh, privilege to do so. We'd never really s- properly spoken before. I was uh, friends with uh, Matt Weston, who plays bass in The Nation Blue with Tom, as well as uh, in high tension with previous guest of the show, Karina Utomo. But uh, we had uh, never really properly spoken, and I was almost kind of worried about doing uh, an interview with him just because he I'm not sure if he recognized me but he's probably definitely seen me getting very very emotionally invested in the front row at harmony shows so uh you know there was there was always that kind of lingering in the back of my head it's just like fuck you know like he's kind of seen into my soul while I've been watching him perform and shit you know so <laughs> But uh, he was an absolute gentleman, had some absolutely fucking ripper stories to share, so I'm very excited to share that with you now. Uh, Just on another note, uh, just before we get out of here, this is going to be my final episode as a 25-year-old. I turned 26 on Monday, and uh, yeah, I've kind of... Yeah, grown with this podcast, as it were. So, uh, if if you've been around since I started this podcast at the ripe old age of 24, thank you for sticking around. Uh, I will see you uh, after I turn 26. All right, let's have a chat with Tom Lincoln. friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friend, Tom Lincoln. Hi. How you doing, mate? I'm pretty well. Tom is here on the final day of the Poison City Weekender, uh, about to fulfil the uh, the double duty of uh, going up with uh, the Nation Blue and Powerheads. How are you feeling? Uh, old. It's uh, <laughs> It's been a... I haven't really played a lot in uh, the last kind of 18 months, so yeah, yeah, yeah. going back to back, 
Uh, yeah, I have a pretty supreme case of bangers, Nick, this morning, and yeah. I've only one gig in, so yeah. Probably didn't help that you were smashing your face into your guitar for most of last night. That's uh, expected. So, <laughs> that's yeah. true, that's true. So much we can really do. <laughs> it's uh, 20 years of the same behaviour, so yeah. yeah. this is true. I can't imagine a friend of the show, Mr. Matt Weston, is holding up much further. He's on triple duty, so... Yeah, you know what? Like, yeah, I shouldn't complain. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's uh, uh, terrifying some children right about now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, speaking of ankle braces, yeah, he will be um, on, on, on strict watch, I'd say. <laughs> um, when did your relationship with, with Poison City start? Was, has that kind of always been a part of the band? I don't know, I guess it goes back to the art house. I didn't really know Andy that much before, like, we got involved. Like, yeah, yeah. I, my first actual interaction with Andy would have actually been on the day that I got married. I was actually driving to the church uh, in my panel van, and he was hitchhiking on the side of Nicholson Street, so I picked no him up. Shit. And, that's, and I dropped him off at Poison City, and that's the first time we actually had a proper, like, a solid conversation. So... Then I went and got married, and he uh, he went to work. So yeah, wow. But I think the um, the actual first interaction was he. We got talking about harmony, and he yeah he he put out carpet bombing, and I'm pretty sensitive to the goings on of labels and how they operate. And, yeah, and he operated really well, so I was right into it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of a reverse engineered fan of yours because I was very much into harmony before I discovered the nation. Yeah, like, I knew who you were for ages, but, like, I don't know, I just got very emotional in front rows of harmony shows, and then was just like, I can't fucking talk to this guy, I just watched him stab his guitar for 20 minutes, I'm not gonna fucking talk to him. Yeah, it's, like, Nation Blue's been not active for a long time, yeah, so, yeah. like, we, we find that that's pretty common, I mean, last night we, it was awesome, because we were literally playing to a bunch of people we've never played to before, like, there yeah. were a couple of old heads that are, were familiar, but for the yeah. most part, it's, like... Like, the conversation came up, do we play old music? And it's like, well, people haven't heard anything, so let's just play whatever the fuck we want. Like, yeah, sure. It really does not matter. Uh, so, I usually start these by taking it back and gauging the original interest in music, specifically the point where it transitioned from being something that you were just kind of consuming and uh, maybe watching on TV or listening to on the radio or whatever, to being something that you actually wanted to do. Yep. So, like, uh, I don't know, just kind of take us through your upbringing, how music kind of factored into that. Um, I can pinpoint that moment exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, my dad is a builder and, and all the rest of it, and boat yeah, yeah. builder and stuff. And my mum's an architect or a, a draftswoman. And yeah. at that stage, like uh, they had like a bunch of shit stashed in an upstairs room of our house. When I, and when I was about four, I found his guitar case. Oh, cool. And opened it and subsequently cracked the neck of the guitar like at a really young age and just oh, but was obsessed with it kept taking it in, in and out of the case like it was a, it, like it was a real focal point and I was just completely enamoured by this instrument and the fact that dad never talked about it and it was a it was just this part of his history that he never talked about so basically yeah, yeah. he was in bands in the 60s in Melbourne um, before him and mum moved to Tasmania to have have me mm. he even you know made records all the rest of it mm-hmm the urban myth in the family is that he collected up as many of those records as he could and destroyed them. So no kidding. He has a particularly uh, kind of love-hate relationship with music. So yeah, sure. 
but that was enough to get me hooked. As soon as I saw that guitar, I was pretty obsessed with it. And then I found his record collection, and you know, and the Hendrix and Johnny Winters and all nice, that kind yeah. of action. Is Freddie King are the things that I kind of stoked on. And yeah, yeah. From there, I kind of found my own way because he refused to talk about it. So, yeah. There you go. That's how you do it, though. If you want, if you want to bring your kids up into something, don't show any fucking interest in it. <laughs> that's uh, that's what I'm currently attempting to apply to my one-year-old. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, we've already enrolled her as a young liberal, and she'll be yeah, uh, perfect. Yeah. And uh, and we've got it, her footy membership all locked away, ready to go. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereabouts in Tassie did you grow up? Uh, in Hobart. So yeah, was, right. Uh, we lived on the eastern shore of Hobart, and then they split up, and it was just a clusterfuck from that point on, and ended up moving to Melbourne in 2000 after a pretty heinous series of events, and, and uh, fell down, fell two stories onto my head. And, Holy shit. Yeah, fucked up my skull, and, and then had to kind of get out of town, so. God damn. Got spiked um, with a bunch of MDMA, and um, yeah, and... and Got really fucking worked over. So, do you remember the first time that you played live? Holy shit. I've had a lot of concussions. So, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes some things escape me. Um, yeah, that's true. If not that, then maybe your earliest memory? Yeah, look. Oh, okay, yeah. All right. I do. The mm. thing that sticks with me the most is, like, I used to have to do these classical piano recitals. Oh, right. Like, instead, yeah. of, instead of actually grading us, like, they'd, um, you'd have to perform live in front of all the other parents and shit. And so the last vivid memory I have of my earliest kind of performance is failing on this classical piece and like just just like not being able to come back from it. Sitting at the piano in this university lecture theatre, like with you know with all the parents and all the fucking students and everything, just all kind of glaring at me and stuffing it up and really not coming back from it and just kind of walking away. So, yeah. That's that's the one that I can remember the most. Rock and roll played on the back of a truck a few times. Yeah. So just just total agricultural shit. In terms yeah, of right. Playing parties, things like that, and then started booking a pub and playing live when I was sixteen. So you're booking a pub at sixteen? Yeah, when I had my eighteenth birthday there, they were a little bit pissed at me. Like, <laughs> you lied about your age, didn't you? I don't know, nobody asked. Oh, really? <laughs> but it was rough as guts pub. It was like the first place that people went to when they got out of jail in, in, from prison prison. Jesus. So, yeah, there was some pretty fucking loose loose behaviour there. So oh, I don't think they were too worried about a scrawny 16-year-old booking the shows. Yeah, sure. What was the music scene like? Was there, or indeed, was there a music scene much in, in, the, in that kind of area? Um, it was... 50 to 100 people and the best bands I've ever seen like and it's not nostalgia like yeah, right. the, uh, the bands that mo- like a lot of the people who were in those bands are still playing in, in like when they moved to Melbourne or Tassie or wherever today sure like, yeah so um, the bands that we grew up with Stickmen Sea Scouts um, Legends of Motorsport like oh, all these yeah. yeah so he- heaps and heaps of bands and they're, yeah. they're all still largely for the most part participating in music on some level mm. um, Mike Noga who played with the drones his band came up with us like there's just a bunch of it was just a rich rich scene and really insular like Melbourne bands interstate bands would come down and nobody would go nobody mm. gave a shit nobody listened to fucking Triple J it had no reach there was no internet there was no scene there was no record labels there was yeah. no anything it was literally the same 100 people turning up to pubs week in week out mm. and just, just playing because they like music and that's, yeah, right. that's literally the, the, the whole scene so yeah right it's pretty good like um, 
uh, inclusive as all fuck. Like, mm. the first time I ever heard the words girl band was when I moved to Melbourne. Like, right. down there it just wasn't a thing. Like, the girls participated. And yeah, sure. No, made a big deal. It was a really, really fucking great music scene to grow up in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, tell us kind of about, like, uh, the music you were doing, kind of the bands you were kicking around in before Nation Blue kind of kicked off. Um, there was a band called Vertigo 3 that basically became Nation Blue. Right, yeah. Um, so, that was me and Andy, who was the original bass player from Nation Blue, yeah. and another drummer. We had a falling out, and, um, and we got Dan in the band and just kind of switched it. And yeah, next thing we know, we're kind of Nation Blue. That was 1996. Mm-hmm. So that was November 23rd, 22nd, 96. So, wow. Someone with a concussion, you can remember some pretty specific shit. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, you know, yeah, it was, it was a good gig. Okay. <laughs> it's fun. It felt like the start of something. It's good. Nice, man. So um, what were the key differences between that band and, and Nation Blue? Like, just started just... whole new songs. Like, just literally just went back to the drawing board, but took the same bass player with us. Like, me and him just found another drummer, and, and um, yeah, it just happened really fast. And Dan's a really great drummer. Oh, yeah, he's a beast. Yeah. And, and we'd always, you know, like, we'd been... He was just dicking around in bands like we were dicking around in bands and we're like let's do something serious let's let's actually do something Mm. and um yeah yeah just uh played the same 50 people for four years down there and then moved to melbourne and was that kind of inevitable did you think like kind of did you kind of outgrow your area yeah not not so much musically although everyone had it was there's like a mass exodus it's cyclical down there where people will just move away and 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 head to the mainland so we just kind of hit the end of one of those cycles and decided to move with everybody else i mean we moved into brunswick and literally there were 35 of our mates kind of living there and you know we had a social circle and you know and a lot of those people are still there and still performing and stuff yeah i don't know and as a at that stage i was 20 and i'd really kind of tapped out i was starting to get in trouble so i was definitely time to go like things are getting pretty hectic so I, I left at an opportune time tell us about like touring for the first time like at what point did that kind of uh, pick up with Nation Blue we got off at our first tour from Nigel and Nigel from Mindsnare and uh, Trial and Error and yeah yeah Graham from Resist yep. put on a show I think at the Green Square or was somewhere and, and they brought Somerset um, from okay. New Zealand over yeah yeah so we our very first tour is we travelled up the Hume with Somerset oh, wow. and they were like hazing each other the entire way <laughs> so like if anyone fell asleep they'd be like they'd have their testicles put on them and like all sorts of fucking crazy shit like we were so we were so terrified this is what touring was that we we didn't sleep the whole way up and they stayed in Sydney and we drove home like straight after the show I fell asleep doing 170k an hour like and woke up Fuck. and I'd and I'd like gone limp at the wheel and the fucking like the car was doing like 210 Shit. 220 and I woke up shitting bricks so that was our first tour and um, we pulled over had a cry and kind of moved on <gasps> but yeah it was almost over before it started oh man like nodded the fuck off but, like so yeah I don't know from there we just you know it was we were just in I guess part of a scene that toured a lot like you know m- mates that I've got in other scenes just don't fucking tour like but punk scene tours hard yeah yeah totally 
like, uh, yeah, it's interesting because you kind of mentioned the whole kind of insular community of, of uh, like, Hobart and, like, the Tasmania oh, in general. You, yeah, you don't tour from there. Like, you, you yeah. don't, like, honestly, like, releasing a CD was selling out in Hobart. Sure, yeah, right. You get lynched. Like, a few bands went to the mainland, but, yeah, like, it was, you know, like, it just anything aspirational was just seen as counterproductive. Right, yeah. Staunch. Yeah. Staunch as fuck. But at the same time, Fugazi came down there twice, Bikini Kill a couple of times, like, and, like, it was, you know, uh, those bands were open-armed, but, fuck, there were a lot of bands that came down that just fell flat. Yeah, sure, sure. When did the Foo Fighters thing happen? Because that was probably, like, a big point in which a lot of people started paying attention to you guys. Yeah. Um, For I mean, that's probably the, the most coverage we've ever had. Yeah. Um, like it still gets brought up to this day, you know. Yeah, it was pretty horrific. Like <laughs> it's funny though. Like we we played like a show at the old bar. I found some photos from it the other night. Like, yeah, yeah. We didn't sell out the old bar, and then we went straight from there up to Brisbane and played the first show. We I reckon we played in front of eight thousand people straight mm. up. Like people got there fucking mega early for those shows because um, the Kaiser Chiefs run after us and oh. a bunch of people like them. But <laughs> they were total dogs. Um, <laughs> they the worst humans. Oh no, no, just one of them was. So much so. The singer? No, no, the drummer. Oh, really? Yeah. Singer was fine. Like, they're all fine except for the fucking drummer who was a parasite. And he, he, like, that, he was so fucking annoying to the, like, the road crew and everything that in the end the stage manager docked them five minutes and gave, gave it to us on the last show. Fuck, he was just yeah. like, fuck these guys. Like, you can have, you can have an extra song so I don't have to listen to their shit. That's amazing. Yeah, so. Um, he's no longer in the band, so you guys win. Are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, you can see why. Like, it'd be unbearable touring with that prick. Like, he was, he wasn't even funny. Like, there was no redeeming qualities to him. He wasn't like a Gallagher or anything like that. Yeah, like, just, you know, he didn't have any good calls. He was just. A fucking prima donna. Yeah, um, just misplaced sense of grandeur. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised his drum riser wasn't in the front of the stage, or, <laughs> or just floating out across the crowd, Tommy Lee style. Like it was, his his ego was insane. Yeah, uh, right. One of the few people that I've come across that I was just like, fuck this idiot. But um, yeah, right. So Matt had done film clips for Shiftlet. Yep. And basically, cheekily said, hey. Foo Fighters National Tour. You want, you know, you want a really cheap band, <laughs> fucking, yeah. to clean your toilets, and um, and that's what we did. Like, like Dave had to listen to it, and and he, he was fucking awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. He like he'd come and hang, and like we 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 just our job was to stay out of everybody's way, not annoy people, don't be punishers, don't be fucking anything, don't be there at all, mm. play, don't trash shit, just go, you know, play and, and shut up and. And he'd come and find us, and you know, I mean, the first show, like Matt broke his leg, I fucking yeah. smashed, smashed my. Sh- sh- what the fuck happened there? Like, I've, I've seen um, the footage of shit. It's just like, how, how was that? Even just possible? twisted his twist, just stepped backwards and fucking twisted his shit and destroyed himself. Like, yeah. straight up, it was just serviceable. So it sure, just yeah. made sense. Yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. Them. They're like, yeah, cool, whatever. We don't have to deal with it. Um, we know we know Matt and we know that he's not a fucking punisher so let's hope that the rest of the band aren't too bad yeah <laughs> but I mean you could literally like Hitler could have a band and he could and if so long as Kaiser Chiefs is still on that tour like Hitler would be the second least annoying person <laughs> in the fucking room because that guy was annoying as shit fuck that guy <laughs> yeah but there was there was like I mean yeah Motorhead were touring at the same time oh wow yeah so Lemmy was dropping in like it was fucking awesome like That's so sick but it's something that we should never have been a part of <laughs> and here we are yeah <laughs>
Haven't done it since. <laughs> it's alright. People still remember. People definitely remember. Yeah, it's <laughs> video. Yeah. At what point did uh, Harmony uh, start up? How did that come about? I got married uh, and one of the conditions... <laughs> that's, that's, okay. that's a fucking... Press. Prenuptial? Uh, yeah, yeah it was, basically. It was like... Uh, yeah, but that's also just a press release piece of shit that, I, <laughs> that I've engineered since. But um, <laughs> but actually, we had, we had the conversation. Alex played in a kick-ass band called Remake Remodel. Great band. She kind of got jack of drums and... Like, she was really... She's got a really hectic job and stuff like that. So she wasn't really... Just didn't have the time for it anymore. But I... I don't know, like I used to go to a lot of the gigs and miss seeing a play, so we decided just to start jamming ourselves. So we did that, we needed a bass player, I, I knew Chapel from a few McCluskey tours that Nation Blue did. Oh, um, you guys stood together, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, basically Chapel said yes, which we weren't expecting. And then we started, like I had a bunch of songs written and we started jamming on them and simple as that really so the singers was a not an afterthought but I'd, I'd been listening to a, way too much Lena Cohen and, and yeah and like Atlanta Soul and stuff like that mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. had started to think of you know I thought that'd be a kind of nice dynamic so we, we recorded basically the just the the shitty things that we were writing and that's what we used for the first record mm-hmm. and then I gave it to Amanda and and uh, the other two at that stage and they kind of just the first time they opened their mouths, they'd never met each other, so I just kind of cherry-picked people and um, put them together in a room and made them sing. And from the very first take, it was like, holy crap, Like this is so far beyond what my capabilities are or my yeah, understanding sure, of sure, music. Sure. Like, yeah. It was just a total elevation of, um, of anything I've done previously. So it, it was, uh, yeah, I don't know, from there it kind of took off. I realised kind of what I had to work with mm-hmm. and then was able to write for it and still am. Like yeah, that. sure, yeah. yeah. And, and Powerheads, how did that come about? Um, after a couple, couple of albums of writing ballads, I kind of got pretty into the idea of doing something. Um, I liked hanging out with Reese. Um, like, he's... He's a pretty energetic character. Mm-hmm. Um, like when we went on tour last year, we spent most of our time going to like laser tag with ten-year-olds, <laughs> and then we went. Like in one day, we went bowling, we went to the movies, and we went to laser tag. That oh, was one day. Unreal. It cost a fucking fortune, <laughs> but it was awesome. And like, and yeah, so I don't know. There's, He's uh he's like the fountain of youth that dude. He's uh like yeah, he'll take years off you. And Tommy's been a good mate for a few years and yep, yep. And, and Rui I've known for a long time too, like fucking beast of a guitarist, always wanted to play with him. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know, just once again, like I'm pretty into the idea of chemistry. Like I love finding people with skill sets and putting them together in a room. Like couldn't give a fuck about much else about music really mm. just like the seeing where chemistry goes with people so I got a few new projects that I got like a thing called human resources which is just basically me collaborating with different people I want to collaborate with so what? there's one with Jay from Mid-Youth Crisis oh cool coming up yeah um, yeah just kind of there's, there's a few few things here and there it's different styles of music whatever but basically it's, you know just get two people in a room three yeah. people four people and just see what comes out just curating a vibe you know like, yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's literally like it's just curating heads so yeah. I, I go 
known that person for a long time would love to play music with them. Yes. Let's do it. There's no reason why we can't. Why not? We don't have to form a functional band. Let's just record. Right. What What makes a, a great collaboration to you? Like, uh, was it is it just an idea of just like they would have an, a different idea yes. of music to what I would do or, you know, like, a, or is it about more like the common ground? Uh, no, it's more about like mental illness and just the <laughs> different way people, people come at their lives. Right, yeah. So there is a, you know, there's, there's some pretty defined, like, I don't know, there's some pretty strong personalities in the, in the people that I collaborate with. Yeah, and that's, sure. That's, that's intentional. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want somebody to sit there and go, oh, it's kind of cool. Like, yeah, no, it's good. You know, it's fine. Mm. Like I'd, I'd prefer a hard and fast. It's this sucks. Like this has no redeeming qualities. I'm yeah. not interested in doing this. Like you know, this needs to get better, or we stop. You know, like I like I like extremes. Yeah, um, totally. So, I mean, Chapel's about as far down that track as you can get. Like he's just like shit. Like it's fucking shit. Like he hates he hates hard, which is good. So I, I can take that. Um, yeah. So I like I like people with with highly developed. Um, extreme personalities like it yeah. really really makes for a great collaboration <laughs> yeah, because in other bands I've always been the liability like I've been the fucking the head case and it's it's, it's awesome to get around people who are, you know just kind of pushes it out and yeah yeah like it's it's good fun like you get to you get to see how other people function yeah yeah totally yeah. so while these projects were, were going Harmony Powerheads etc like uh, did you always have it in your mind that Nation of Blue would come back eventually or were you kind of was that kind of slang dormant yeah I think inevitably it was gonna gonna come back like uh, when after Rising Waters we we all kind of shit the bed and we'd had enough like we just you know like I, we're just sick of each other after so long and, yeah sure and you get you get kind of sucked into these cycles which it's a hobby like it should be fun and it's not it's not fun like it gets it gets kind of just to be an inconvenience and an expensive one of that so I think we all hit the wall we're sick of each other and we just figured you know let's just disappear into other things for a bit and uh, you know, th- there were times when it didn't really look like we'd actually do anything. We'd come back for the odd benefit show, or like, um, or if something particularly appealed, or mm. I don't know. But we'd have one rehearsal, play the same set that we'd been playing for years, and just kind of pad through it. Tim up in Brisbane at Tim Guitars, yep, and records. Subsequently, put together a seven-inch club, and we, you know, he asked us to write something new so we did and and found the experience pleasurable so kind of led to a bunch more so I don't know yeah Yeah. a lot more there's you know two records coming out yeah two full records which which is actually pretty easy I had a kid so I spent a lot of a lot of downtime you know um, being a dad sitting on the couch after at the end of the day just kind of writing stuff and and so we're actually able to um, the first session we did 18 songs so that's a pretty solid amount and then I just wrote another 12 and we had 30 songs and yeah then stuck a couple together and ended up with 29 in total yeah unreal it's like cold nothing everything you know stood beside everything which is yeah, good fucking A um, you kind of mentioned kind of the, the touring dynamic of the nation blue and I guess kind of how that kind of imploded after a while like uh, yeah. I can imagine Harmony as a, as a touring unit would have been a very very different experience yeah it was actually it got me really keen for touring again because it was so fun. It's actually it's become a bit of it's, it's out of control. Like there's there's a in a crowd dynamic that I've never seen before. Like things get loose so fucking fast. Like it's yeah, it, it, it's hard it's hard to explain. But 
when we go on tour, like we're ready to have a good time. Like I think we're all we've all got kind of pretty hectic kind of lives, and when it comes together, it's like a perfect storm. And there's there's been repeated like critical injuries, like all sorts of stuff. Like yeah, and party hard. Like the last the last tour, Quinn broke uh, like a fractured a kneecap Jesus doing karaoke in Tassie <laughs> like it, it gets loose as shit fucking hell it's unreal like it's so much fun it's very different but it's a lot more enjoyable like it's less of the like I say I don't differentiate like before but there's, there is a far more enjoyable dynamic of playing in bands with women than, than when it's just all dudes locked down like yeah so Paleheads is fun because <laughs> Reese is like this this aberrant child that you know like we we just have to constantly entertain so there's, there's, there's a duty of care there we just we just have to keep up with him like he's got more energy than all of us combined yeah but um with with harmony it's like we just chat constantly like you know we we literally are, are a small microcosm that we just you know a rolling pack and it's um there's a lot of us on the road there's seven of us sometimes with partners it gets yeah. up to ten so we don't need anyone else we're our own party and it can you know like the music is so secondary in that band I think we had the last tour we had one or two rehearsals as a complete band and then we're like fuck it first first stop's Adelaide who gives a shit (laughs) (laughs) fucking you know we'll just go there and you know work it out and by the end of the tour we were alright but fuck it was rough as shit for for the majority of that tour (laughs) Is that uh, is that something that's uh, going to be uh, continuing in the future with with uh, Nation Blueback? You going to try and balance them out a bit more? Or? Look, they all everyone's got shit going on. I mean, you know, we're all we're all on the wrong side of thirty five. Um, <laughs> it, it's a really kind of natural thing. Like things, we're, we're just not you know constantly wanting to do stuff all the time. Like I'd, I've got a company that you know like I'm a builder and I've got a lot on as well and yeah sure you know, so it's, it's literally just things take back seats but, but yeah like Harmony's on a bit of a break at the moment mm-hmm. um, Nation Blue will do a bit but we won't do that much like you know we're not going to be around for three years like you know playing these songs forever we'll probably do two tours and then Matt will be back into high tension Dan's got an Adelita record that's coming that, that's being worked on mm. like um, I've started work on another Harmony record Paleheads has had a record in the fucking can for 18 months oh like, yeah like is, that, had, is that coming out at any point? Uh, at some point I mean I mean, we, we recorded them kind of we just kept recording like we yeah. didn't stop after the first record so yeah so there's, there's heaps of stuff and then I got the, all the human resources stuff I got three of those records that I'm working on at the moment so there's just always something and they all have their kind of moment Harmony's the most taxing it's the hardest. I can imagine, yeah. Just screaming endlessly, and mm. like Nation Blue's not fun physically, but you know it's it's fine. It's Twenty years, it's like a, <laughs> it's like a like a like a long ass marriage, you know. You yeah, just, yeah. Just, it's a new normal. <laughs> Where did I'm I'm really curious about that because you know like that I think that was one of the things I was drawn to originally about seeing Harmony was that you know very kind of threatening kind of stage presence you know the fact that you did have a knife stuck in your amp and you know the fact that you just fucking go off on a tangent and just screaming off mic and shit like that like uh, where did that kind of energy and like that anger and that persona kind of develop from was that just something that developed trying to 
I don't know, make the band stand out a bit more? Is that just something cathartic that comes up when you're performing? Yes, definitely. Like, it, it is a good catharsis. I, like, that, that that notion does make me gag. Like, I, <laughs> like it's... Um, because it's disingenuous. Like, you can't kind of replicate it night after night and expect yeah, yeah. it to have some kind of catharsis. But yeah. there is... It just does... It comes down to delivery. So, the idea was um, to have basically some kind of... Um, atonal wailing and then some people who are highly trained and very accurate doing something else yeah um so it's just the the you know the contrast but that's me dialing it back too like you know it's it's funny it, it was meant to be something where i could just play guitar and just kind of sit back and it's become far from that it's, it's yeah sure it's probably the hardest thing physically to to do just to scream as, as as much as that like it, there is a point where the body just can't do it mm. and particularly as you get older like it's, yeah. it's not easy um, <laughs> but yeah I don't know like uh, the the carry on like the stage antics has always just come from lack of reciprocation from the crowd like mm. in Hobart people danced like they they would dance to music like yeah sure it seems like a no brainer but mm. you know people don't do it anymore like the the closest pe- you get to that is like people might jump up and down and stage dive or whatever but it's like down there people would just have their space and would just dance all night um, so when we moved with the blue like I just noticed the distinct lack of that so I was like oh if they're going to stand there and stare I'll give him something to fucking stare at yeah. 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 like he's he's here's something you know <laughs> and it and it kind of it's it, it got bastardized real early and I ended up down a track that I haven't kind of been able to retreat from since. So, yeah. it's, you know, I'm sure, you know, <coughs> it's not comparable, but, yeah, um, uh, I'm sure Gigi Allen, that, you know, <laughs> wishes there was a point where he didn't have to, you know, eat shit and fuck a cat. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> things, things, things get out of hand and then you kind of just got to maintain that insanity. So, <laughs> Is that where the, the guitar on the roof came from? Yeah, I had to stop that. The last, like, the last kind of big tour we did, did of that, like, um, I got marched outstairs, um, outside by bouncers and got put on the phone with the owner of the venue and all sorts of stuff. Holy like, hell. Yeah, yeah, like, um, yeah, and it's, it's a bit of a dog act, so, like, yeah, I, I will concede that it's, um, I mean, I go around the country and I look up and there's, I can tell where I've been. Like, <laughs> and I'm not the only one who does it, but I fucking, I know what I've done. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of, it's, you know, if somebody came into my house and started punching holes in the wall, I'd be like, you gotta go. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. So, I, you know, I made a conscientious decision last night at the corner to just mind my P's and Q's and then at the end of the set fucking side of stage guy came up to me and he goes thanks man it's like oh no worries uh, enjoyed that he goes not really I'm going to have to throw this microphone away I was like oh okay why is that and he goes we well, got blood all over it I was like okay so I let, let it stew for a bit and then he came back and he was still pissed and I was like so uh, you never wash these microphones then is that you know, you've never washed a microphone before and, and uh, you know spits just as bad as blood like there's heaps of rank shit and spit and um yeah so we agreed to disagree and I reckon I'll probably send him a uh, $10 mic enclosure with a shit stuffed in it <laughs> 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 I was 
That's really getting you GG, Alan. Uh, like, it annoyed me so much. It was the first contact I had with anyone after the set. And I was just like, fuck you. Like, oh. it, like, it doesn't take much to clean it. Fair enough. Like, it's your gear, whatever. But, you know, it, it, you know I've, just, I've dialed back my performance as much as I possibly can. And mm. somebody still found something for the first time in 20 years to give me shit about. I've never fuck heard that enough. before. Yeah. So, we played with the Bronx years ago. And yeah. I'd, I'd, it's referred to as the Blood Show. And I lost a lot of fucking blood. There was blood all over the stage. Stage hand was slipping in it. There was oh blood all over the drum kit. Like it was just spraying everywhere. Like I hit something in my head that just fucking, like, just opened up. My shirt looked like I'd been shot. And um, and yeah, they they just like those microphones literally were dripping blood. Like there were just blood pouring through the cage. And the guy just took it into the into the bathroom, washed it. You know, nobody gave a shit. Um, it was you know pretty gross but yeah I mean, was, I'm clean like yeah. fucking I'll, I'll produce toxicology or, or <laughs> the blood blood, <laughs> blood work to show that I'm alright but um I can understand it but by the same token he was the, the guy was like literally on his laptop the whole night watching like MotoGP <laughs> and occasionally looking up and just you know happened to flute the occasional like people who want, were requesting more shit from the fallback so yeah. it was a pretty um pretty tenuous relationship to begin with oh bloody hell I get pretty sick of like jaded in-house guys yeah totally yeah like they just move on like just right? move out the pasture like, yeah. it, it, like in Adelaide on the Harmony Tour we, we ran this character who gave us shit from the moment we entered the venue and then once we started playing tried to be our best friend it's like you've made this fucking impossible fuck you like you could have like just be indifferent you don't even have to be nice just be indifferent and just don't you know don't give us fucking chewed and try and um, demoralise the girls and all the rest of it like just just fucking back off yeah so it's just one of those things it's like this last bastion of fuckheadedness so once again it Reared up, and I'm, I'm a pretty good conduit for um, finding who the the kind of like the anti bouncer is in the venue, yeah, and who the fucking nasty you know nasty employees because they see me and they just like they want to fight, like, yeah, they want to fight or they want to just have a crack on some level. So <laughs> yeah, off to off to a good start with the national play return though. Yeah, yeah, first gig. <laughs> Again, I'm trying to behave and I'm being penalised but, but I understand it yeah. many happy returns yeah. I'm going to start shitting on stage and that's, that's yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go the full hog why not why not in for a penny in for a pound as uh, they say uh, saying a couple of notes last night it felt like that might have actually happened <laughs> yeah you've got to hit the brown note that's, yeah. yeah it's inevitable it's there's inevitable. a few of those yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll wrap it up here but before we do that I ask this of all of my guests and now good Sarah it is your turn I want to know about the best and worst shows that you have ever played alright the best I reckon would be uh, there's a festival in Melbourne called All Good in the Wood oh yep yep I reckon Tommy puts that on yeah 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 he did I think it's over now Mm. fucking real good fun the worst one is easy we played at this 400 plus capacity venue with Nation Blue on the Gold Coast. Yeah, Shark Bar or I don't know what it was. Trocadero comes to mind, but I don't think it was. Mm. Anyway, uh, four four payers. There was more security staff than payers, 
Um, two of them got kicked out for dancing. And then the other two stole our merch. You're kidding. Yeah, so there you go. Fucking hell. Yeah. That's savage. Well, when was this? That was on... Uh, I think that might have been protest songs. But might, yeah, I think it was on protest songs. It was a fucking disaster. Like, oh, man. But there's been plenty of them. I mean, we've cleared many a room. Yeah, there's plenty of just all-out disasters. We've, we tried to play Newcastle three times before we actually managed to land a proper... proper proper gig there where it actually right, came yeah. came to fruition like uh, we turned up the first time and there was a drug deal going down the car park yikes and we were part of like a, a um, like a bus beer cruise thing like where mm-hmm. people would bring punters to the pubs and it was like the thing that was going on all day we went into the venue and just said look we're more than likely just going to start fights if you pay us half our fee we'll turn around and go back to Sydney and they paid us you know, and we, we left we didn't even play so <laughs> There's been plenty of shit gigs. Fucking hell. <laughs> That's a great note to go out on. <laughs> yeah. Just, and there'll be plenty more. Oh, like, yeah, fucking hell. We, we had no one here oh, done with shitty gigs. That's it. That's perfect. Uh, the albums are Blue and Black. Yeah. And that will be out in October, and you guys will be touring that as yeah, well? Yeah, we're, we're touring through October, and there'll be a few more things later in the year as well. An East Coast run, I think, in November. But um, Ah, yes. It's... Yeah, I think it's uh, at this stage the album tour is the only thing booked though. So yeah, so October two weekends there: um, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, and Hobart. Nice. No Adelaide. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. I'm This has been a David James Young Writes production. For more information, visit davidjamesyoung.com.